Can, why can we not use electricity on Shabbos? So, the Torah tells us, in this week's parsha not to do any melacha on Shabbos. Now, melacha is often translated as work. But the truth is, there's another Hebrew word for work. The Hebrew word for work is avodah. Melacha, then, is not regular work, but melacha means creative work. The only other time outside of Shabbos we use this term melacha in the Torah is referring to creation. God rested from all of his creative work that he did. Um, And so to commemorate how God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh, we work six days and rest on the seventh. Now, for God, when he created the world, it was not strenuous work, because God being all-powerful, nothing is strenuous for him, but rather what he rested from was creative work, creating things, making things. So we don't have the actual power of creating something from nothing the way God does, um, but we do have the power to manipulate our world to make different things. So our prohibitions on Shabbos is then to rest from forms of creative work. And so, the thir- and so the 39 prohibitions of Shabbos that the Torah that are listed in our oral teachings and our oral traditions are at least 38 of them are creative forms of work. There's one that is not technically creative work, but God prohibited us from doing it, though it is not work at all and is not, not creative either. It's still part of the 39, and that is carrying in a um, open area or a public area and um, that is we did a class on Eruv where we talked about that a little bit a couple weeks ago and uh, that's not creative at all you're not making anything you're just moving things Um, then yet God forbade it for um, reasons known to him we have some explanations as to why but beyond the scope of our discussion today so we do so the Torah forbids us from doing different forms of creative work what is an example we're not allowed to plow we're not allowed to plant, we're not allowed to harvest, we're not allowed to um, separate the, um, we're not allowed to separate uh, when you have a mix of different things to take out the goods, you're left off with a good thing at the, uh, you're left off with only the good and leave off the chaff or the garbage, you're not allowed, to, these are just some of the 39, we're not allowed to knead dough, creating dough, we're not allowed to bake or cook, um, light fires, extinguish fires. Um, and so these are just some of the many things that we're not, we're so, um, weave, are all different things that we're not allowed to do on Shabbos. All creative things, essentially making things, um, changing the way something is, making it something else. So those are all the different things that were forbidden on Shabbos. Now, the Torah also instructs us that our religious leadership the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Council of Judaism, are told to make additional rules for us in order to safeguard Shabbos and other commandments. They make additional what we call rabbinic law, and it's rabbinic law, just to be clear, does not mean that rabbis today sit in some, um, you know, some cellar somewhere, start uh, designing laws that we should make for Jews to have to keep. But rather, rabbinic law means the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Council of Judaism. Um, When it was functioning for the first um, 1,500 or so years of Judaism after Moses, um, was instructed to create laws as they felt was necessary to help guard or help us keep God's original law. Um, We have many such laws that were created. Most of those laws were created within the first few hundred years of Judaism. By the days of King David or King Solomon, which were already, they lived already 400 years after Moses. By that time, most of what we call rabbinic law was already in place. Most of our, um, most of our rabbinic law and most of those additional rules. For Shabbos, many additional rules were made in addition to the original 39. 
Our sages made many additional rules, the Sanhedrin, all made in the very early days of Judaism. So all of these rules are 3,000 or more years old, just to put it in perspective, almost as old as Moses, but not directly coming from God. And so all of the rabbinic law, or the law that did not originally come from God, but was created by the Sanhedrin, that all of those rules for Shabbos are called by the name Shvus, or Shavut, depending on pronunciation. Shvus. Now, a Shvus is a, are rabbinic laws, or the laws made by the Sanhedrin in the early days of Judaism, to expand the rules of Shabbos that God originally gave us. So they expanded those original 39, with many, many different rules of Shvus, um, and those are additional prohibitions that we cannot do on Shabbos. A classical example of shvus that you may have heard of is the rules of muktzah. Muktzah is something that is um, forbidden to use. And essentially, they said anything that is normally used for prohibitive work, um, that would normally be used for something prohibited, um, say matches that are normally used to light a fire, or anything that had no usage before Shabbos, say stones, should not be used on Shabbos at all. And so they prohibited muktzahs, a whole um, group of rules that were made some 3,000 years ago by the Sanhedrin. And we have a number of other shvus, and we're going to touch on some of them in our discussion today, which I'm going to get to very soon regarding electricity. So now what happens is, as history evolves... And as times change, we have different ways of doing things. New inventions are created. Um, we need to always figure out what the law would be in any given situation. So if you have um, a new technology that is discovered or created at some time, or just the style changes the way people live change. So sometimes you have to figure out how are you going to apply the law to this new current situation. And this is going to be relevant to all parts of halacha, all parts of Jewish law, where you're, all, you're as anything new, anything changes, we're no longer in the land of Israel. You have to figure out how laws apply outside of Israel. Um, perhaps there may be changes in the laws. Um, or you're far away from Jerusalem, or um, sometimes new things are created. We're no longer living in an agrarian society. We used to all own land, and now not everybody owns land anymore, so things have changed. So as things change, and as new things develop, we always have to be able to apply our laws to new situations. So we Jews have always had scholars... And the role of our scholars always was to try to, scholars who had a good background in Jewish law and in Jewish scholarship, and they had to figure out how to apply the rules to new situations. Now this is true for Shabbos. As we have new things, and as new things, are, uh, as new things come up, we have to figure out how are we going to apply the rules to new situations as, they, as different things come up. So, and halacha always, Jewish law always needs to evolve in the sense that we need to apply it to new realities. In modern times, our lives have totally changed from the way we used to live. Our lives look nothing like we did a hundred years ago. It's hard to even imagine how they lived without electricity, without running water, without um, cars or any modes of transportation outside of animals. And so it's hard to even imagine how they used to live. Um, you couldn't pick up a phone or text someone if you needed to get hold of them. You actually had to walk over to their house and knock on the door. Can you imagine that kind of life? So we used to live... Wasn't that long ago? More than 100 years ago. So when we used to live this kind of... Uh, so as new things came, we had to know how to apply halacha to new laws, including the rules of shops. Some of them are fairly easy, such as... When the gas-powered car came into common use, and um, we essentially know that a gas, when you press your foot on the pedal, you're filling up those cylinders with gas and igniting them. That's essentially what you're doing to make your engine run in order to make the car move. So you're essentially lighting fire. 
Now, we know that one of the 39 prohibitions on Shabbos is we're not allowed to light fire. So driving a gas-powered car on Shabbos would be lighting a fire. So that's fairly straightforward. If we're not allowed to light a fire, we cannot light a gas-powered car. Yes, it? We're going to get to electricity in a moment. That is the subject of our discussion today. Okay. So sometimes different halachic things that come up can raise all sorts of different questions. And it's not only, of course, in Shabbos, contracts over the internet, testimony by phone. There's all sorts of different questions that you can listening to shofar over microphones. There's all sorts of different questions that can come up with modern technology. One of the big issues, of course, that has come up is the creation of the invention of electricity. And today our lives are surrounded by electrical devices. We cannot imagine, can you imagine a world without television where you didn't have lights either at home? The moment it got dark, it was dark until you lit a candle. And then the most you could do is maybe read by candlelight. Um, And then you went to sleep and that was it. Um, It's hard to imagine that kind of... Boring. It's hard to imagine that kind of world, right? No Netflix. So... Sorry? Matches are around for a little while longer. Yeah, they've been around for a while. They couldn't strike a match, right? On Shabbos. Yes, yes, that would be a problem. Okay. Well, they could have a fire from before Shabbos. They lit the fire from before Shabbos, right? We just can't light the fire on Shabbos. So today, our focus, our topic for today is going to be electricity and halacha. And we're going to talk about using, our, um, using electricity on Shabbos. Um, now, just to be clear, um, it is one of the few areas where there is a clear, con- not, not always in halacha when in complex questions, is there a clear consensus. But one, and I spoke, we spoke about this a few weeks ago when we spoke about how halacha evolved, but one area where there is definitely clear consensus is in using electricity on Shabbos. And the consensus is clear that we cannot use electricity on Shabbos. And exactly what we mean by that, I'm soon going to explain, and we will talk about why as well. But I just that want to... The case at the beginning. Yeah. I'm going to talk all about it. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I want you, though, to keep in mind that what we are going to say today is re- just really going to scratch the surface of this topic. There are dozens of scholarly books written on this um, topic in preparing this class. I have a two-volume set called Maore Eish HaShalem, which is two thick volumes, about um, close to 2,000 pages um, on the topic. Um, and there are many, many other scholarly works written on this topic. So I, um, another, um, another quick point. I um, suggest in talking about electricity, I'm going to admit I am no electrical engineer. My knowledge of electricity is... Um, just from school or from general knowledge, but here's the basic history as I understand it. So in ancient times, the Greeks knew that um, they could create a magnetic pole by rubbering amber on cloth, and apparently amber in Greek is electric, is, and that's where the um, word electricity comes from. And essentially what happens with electricity is um, every atom has um, made up of neutrons and electrons, and every atom is stable when it has an equal number of neutrons and electrons. Um, however, what happens is sometimes an atom becomes un, um, unstable. In other words, it has more, um, sorry, uh, more neutrons than electrons, or more, uh, more electrons than um, neutrons. And so, um, and so then what happens is if you have certain materials that will conduct electricity, would actually allow the electrons to move from one surface where there is a shortage of, where there is an excess of electrons to another surface which is a, where there is a shortage of electrons. Did I get that right, the engineers among us? Protons, sorry, protons and electrons. I take that back. See how well I listened in school. Protons and electrons, take that back. So, um, 
Okay. So anyway, in the early 1800s, we discovered basically that there are two ways that we can actually generate electricity. Um, one is the AC type, where essentially you create a generator um, with spinning magnets, and spinning magnets creates a magnet that has an excess and lack of electrons back and forth, and it creates kind of a back and forth current of electricity. And then we also discovered that we with the DC um, type of electricity, where we can have a battery that essentially uses an electrolyte to move electrons from the anode to the cathode from one end, um, from one material at one end to the other material at the other end when you, have a, when you complete a circuit. And there it moves continuously in a single direction. So while we discovered this in the early 1800s, it wasn't until the 1870s that we actually managed to create the first practical uses of it and we managed to find a way to generate light with electricity. Um, and the first thing that we learned to create was the arc light. The arc light, essentially, we had large, uh, we had a um, current, electrical current running through a wire. We had, we have a break in that wire. In the break in the wire, the electrons run, try jumping the wire. They hit the oxygen, and they ignite the oxygen, and essentially creates a, it essentially creates a light. Not very safe, which is why you'll never see it today. But that was the original, that was the first lights they created. Later they came up with a much better invention, the incandescent bulb, which was created by running a um, filament, which was placed inside an airtight bulb, and the filament blocked the flow of um, electrons um, through the current, and um, the friction that it created, essentially um, that friction generated um, a glow and um, uh, heat and glow that then turn, becomes the incandescent light. Do you have it right, Robert? Little, I'm a little <laughs> bit off. Let's get to the rabbi part. Okay. <laughs> Close enough to rabbi. You're lucky my wife is not here. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, at the very end of the 19th century, um, the first practical electrical grids began to be built. Um, this is we're talking about the 1880s, 1890s. The first electrical gr grids were built first here in the, U in the U.S. and in Europe, um, bringing electricity and lights essentially to regular people. And this raised a question for Jews who were living in these cities um, who um, purchased electricity or who um, connected their homes to this grid. Can they turn their lights on and off on shops? Now, another 19th century invention, uh, maybe a little earlier, was the telegraph, where essentially we figured out a way using magnets to transmit um, electrical currents to pass information along long distances, essentially using electricity as well. And um, here you can have people on different ends that were able to communicate um, either, with, um, either with Morse code or later with um, actual sounds uh, that was able to then, um, we were able to turn into a receiver to actually generate sounds. So um, originally this was only used commercially, um, it was only used um, between railroad stops and other places, but later by the end of the 19th century, um, telephones began to reach private homes as well. People had access, at least wealthy ones, had access to telephones. Rich White raised another question, can telephones be used on shops? So um, at the very end of the 19th century, electric motors were invented. Um, which allowed a whole range of electrical appliances to gradually come into the homes in the early 20th century um, and to leading to appliances that we have today and raised further a question on the use of electrical appliances on Shabbos. And since then, we have come up with all sorts of other great uses for electricity, including, of course, our smartphones and all sorts of other and TVs and all sorts of other wonderful uses we have for it. So um, these all raised a lot of questions. Should, can they be used on Shabbos? Is there any reason why not? Uh, now, keep in mind that historically, because we're going to talk a little bit about the history of the halacha, that electricity and phone lines were really only introduced gradually. Some cities, some big cities had them at first. Um, it wasn't really until after World War I that most cities in the United States and Europe actually got electrical grids and phone lines, and it really became widely available to everyone. Um, so, 
This question really only became practical to most Jews in the 1920s, 1930s, when the towns, cities they were living in really began to get connected to the grid. Um, before that, it was mostly theoretical because very few people actually had it. So the first scholar that actually discusses electricity in Jewish, um, in, our, in our history, um, was fairly early for the history of electricity. Um, it was a scholar called Rav Yitzchak Shmelkes, who was the head of the Beth Din in a town called Lvov. Lvov is the largest city in Galicia, modern-day western Ukraine. At the time, it was part of um, the Austrian Empire. And so it was the largest city there. It was a very, large, very, very large Jewish community, one of the largest Jewish communities in Europe. And Rabbi Schmelkes was considered one of the leading rabbis in Europe. And so in 1895, he published a book. And in his book, he has a long discussion about electricity. Um, and he seems to have a somewhat of a decent understanding, although he may have not had a, had a perfect understanding of the mechanical or the technical way, the technical um, science behind electricity, and um, he must have seen, there must have been, he must have somehow seen it, whether he saw it in Lvov or elsewhere, um, before he wrote his um, long um, discussion about it. And so um, he begins with the question of using the arc lamp on Shabbos. The arc lamp is that lamp where essentially the electrons jump and they hit the oxygen and um, creating electricity, uh, creating um, fire, essentially sparks, um, which essentially creates a light. And um, he makes it very clear that um, the arc lamp um, is fire. The Torah forbids us from turning on and off fires. It's essentially an electrical fire um, created through with electricity. It's generated by electricity, but it's essentially a fire burning, um, combusting oxygen. And so... Um, and so, therefore, it would be forbidden to turn it on or off on Shabbos, just since it's forbidden to use fire on Shabbos. What about the incandescent bulb? Now, the incandescent bulb is already a much more is already much less clear, because while the incandescent bulb might look a little bit like it's pretty bright and it gets very hot um, and it's created by friction. Um, but it doesn't, it might look like fire, but there's no combustion in the incandescent bulb. It's not burning anything. There's no oxygen in the incandescent bulb. It's not a fire, really, by any scientific definition. So would it be permitted to turn an incandescent bulb on or off on shops? So the question is, well... It's not fire by any, by any scientific definition, but what is the halachic definition of fire? How would Jewish law, the Torah, define fire? And particularly with regard to this, fire is relevant for a lot of different rules on Shabbos, but particularly with regard to creating a fire for um, uh, the prohibition, uh, sorry, for a lot of different halachic rules outside of Shabbos, but particularly for regarding the prohibition of lighting fire on Shabbos, what, how would we define a fire? So the Talmud says, the Talmud, of course, as we spoke last week, is the most important work of our oral tradition, and its words are final, and everything that it says we use as a source for to analyze and understand modern halacha today. The halacha in the Talmud in the book of Shabbos, which is one of the books of the Talmud, 43a, says that it is a Torah prohibition, it's a, bibli it's a biblical prohibition, to heat up metal in order to smelt it. So you want to smelt metal, you want to be able to um, join or uh, fashion metal, um, you, and you heat it up, make it very, very hot, um, red hot. It is forbidden to do so, and that is a biblical prohibition. Maimonides and most halachic authorities believe or which of the 39 prohibitions would this fall under? This okay. would fall under the prohibition of... Okay. This would fall under... Cookings for food. This would fall <laughs> under the prohibition of lighting fire. And so... So, there, the, so most halachic authorities, there is some, a little... There are other views, but the, the um, consensus is that the prohibition over here the Talmud is referring to is lighting a fire. And so... Therefore, based on that, what then would be the definition of halachically, how would you define a fire? 
Now, clearly, in this metal rod that you are heating up, there is no combustion in the rod. So in what way would this rod be a fire? So, therefore, um, later scholars... um, Later scholars point out that the definition over here is it is both hot. Maimonides says it has, to be, it has to be hot and it has to be glowing. If it's glowing, then you have transgressed the prohibition. If it's not glowing, you have not transgressed the prohibition. What then is the prohibition of lighting a fire on Shabbos? Is then generating heat that is hot enough to glow. Heat at a certain point Um, turns into light or will generate light when it gets hot enough. So generating heat that is hot enough to glow will create a, uh, will be the halachic prohibition of lighting fire on Shabbos. um, Then removing that heat or stopping that heat to the point that it loses its glow would be taking away that halachic prohibition on um, Shabbos. Robert, do you want to ask something? (laughs) <laughs> okay. Yes. okay, so what about an LED light? We're going to get there. No. And is that what you can get to uh, solar? And solar? We'll get there every okay. One thing out of the You're talking primarily about the activity of igniting, turning on electricity. Turning on an incandescent bulb right now. Okay, fair enough. What if the bulb is on before shots. Can we then bask by the light of the bulb, or are we not? Yes, in fact, I touched on this earlier, we can have a lamp on before Shabbos and sit and read in front of the lamp, and we could even have our our heaters on before Shabbos or our fireplace on before Shabbos and sit in the warmth. So, so we long as we don't, we could Shabbos, use, we start well, we cannot, we cannot manipulate electricity on Shabbos. We can be under a light that's already lit before Shabbos um, and use it. I mean, in other words, use the light generated by electricity, but we cannot uh, manipulate electricity. Well, we're not, we're not electricity. Right now we're talking, we spoke so far about the incandescent bulb. You're jumping ahead. You would not be able to turn it off if it's an incandescent. So, so far, we only spoke of the incandescent bulb. I'm going to move further. Yes, Robert. Would you be able to use a mirror? Are you generating heat with that mirror to the point? No. So then why would that, would that be a problem then? You're, well, no, so, I mean, so, so far, let me be clear. So far, we only, let's try to build it slowly. So far, we only spoke about the incandescent bulb. And the problem with the incandescent bulb is that the halachic definition of fire, as we've now defined it, um, is not the same as the scientific definition, which is combustion. The halachic definition of fire is generating heat to the point that it glows. So making something so hot that it will glow is the halachic definition of fire. So, um, so that, and it's a certain, it, I think it varies somewhere between 500 and 800 degrees is the average that things will generally start to glow at that heat. Um, so when you generate heat to the point that it will glow, um, you, have now, um, you have now created fire on Shabbos, halachic fire. If you stop that glow, you have transgressed the prohibition of extinguishing fire on Shabbos. So turning on an incandescent bulb would be the prohibition of generating fire, although there's no scientific fire in the bulb. And turning it off would be the halachic prohibition of extinguishing fire on Shabbos, although there is no scientific fire in the bulb. I'm going to get there. That's the one thing at a time. I'm going to get there. Very good question. Yes. Good question. Okay. So let me move a little further. Now, under this, so under this, our definition now, an incandescent bulb is halachic fire, though not scientific fire, and therefore forbidden to turn on or off on Shabbos. Now, today we know the incandescent bulb is dead. Not allowed to use it anymore, right? Not allowed to use incandescent bulbs anymore. Our federal government outlawed it over a decade ago, and um, there's very limited use today of incandescent bulbs. 
Today we use other forms of bulbs. Um, today we use other forms of bulbs. Um, fluorescent bulbs is a whole different scenario because um, it involves also um, turning on a lighter. But, um, but then we use other, we use LED bulbs today. And then there's also many other forms of electricity. What about other forms of electricity? Um, most of which were not around in 1895 when Rabbi Shmuel was first dealt with this issue. Um, but there was other forms of electricity around, notably the phone. The phone was available. And so he deals with the question of the phone. Can phones be used on Shabbos? That was already around then. Um, can phones be used on Shabbos? And the same would go for um, later the electric, electric motor, which doesn't use any um, light or heat, um, simply a motor, um, can these things be used on Shabbos? What about batteries? Batteries. Well, anything that, any of these things can be generated AC or DC generally. <coughs> so um, whether you use it by batteries or use it off the electric grid from a generator, um, either way, can it be used on Shabbos? So, he makes the following point. The Torah prohibits us from, not from working on Shabbos, as we mentioned earlier, but from malacha. Not from strenuous work, because God didn't do any strenuous work in creation, but from malacha, from creative work. We are forbidden from doing creative work on Shabbos. The Torah gives us a list of 39 specific forms of creative work. I mentioned earlier it's really 38 plus 1 forms of creative work that are forbidden on Shabbos. What about other forms of creative work or creating things, manipulating things, that is not, do not fall within the 39 prohibitions listed in our oral tradition? Are they forbidden on Shabbos? So the answer is that indeed God originally did not forbid creative work or creative manipulation, manipulating things outside of those 39 specific prohibitions. However, the Sanhedrin, our Supreme Jewish Council, in the very, very early days of Judaism, when they extended many of the Shabbos prohibitions, also extended, created a prohibition called moilid. Moilid essentially means making something that wasn't there before. So, anytime you change something, make something different on Shabbos, even if it does not fall under those 39 rules, is not prohibited as a from in the original prohibitions of Shabbos, but it was prohibited later as a shvus, as a Sanhedrin-created prohibition on Shabbos. The example given for this in the Talmud is if a person wants their clothing to have a good scent to it, um, so you take perfume or spices and you put you wrap your clo- put your clothing over the those um, perfume and you leave your clothing there for a little while in order that your clothing get a good scent get a good smell so that does not fall under any of the 39 prohibitions that the Torah prohibited us from doing on Shabbos yet you are taking clothing that did not smell nice and manipulating it to smell nice you're creating something creating nice smelling clothing Right, creating is not creating from scratch. But anytime you change something, you're making it now nice smelling. That would fall under the prohibition of moilid. That would fall under the prohibition of creative work that is a shvus that was forbidden by the Sanhedrin some 3,000 years ago and forbidden on Shabbos. Would that include writing? Writing is one of the 39 prohibitions on Shabbos. And so is erasing are both from the 39 prohibitions that, the, that our oral tradition explicitly prohibits. Yes, Barry? So, um, we, we're always creating it online, but I guess that doesn't That doesn't count. No, that's fine. And creating words is fine too. You could talk. That's a good question. We could talk about it later. It's not directly relevant to the topic, but it's... It, there's a lot of other questions about things. Can you do this on Shabbos? A lot of different questions. Everything in our lives. What can you do on Shabbos? What can you not do on Shabbos? We'll, we can talk about that afterward, after the class. Yes? Can you make love? You may be crazy. That is a very, very good question. 
That is, that is a very good question. Um, the answer is yes. The simple answer is yes. In fact, um, you must, as Stephen says. Um, we, it's a mitzvah on Shabbos. Um, and to do so in permitted ways, of course. Um, but, but, uh, but again, that's beyond our current discussion. But it is, that question is asked, is it not creative? Very good question, but let's, that's for another time. Not for now. Let's, I want to stay focused because we... Let's, let's try to stay focused. So... Okay. So, Rav Schmelkes says... Makes the following point. That since... As a shvus, we are forbidden from any creative form of work on Shabbos. So, creating electrical currents of any form or generating anything through electricity, or for that matter, stopping an electrical current in any form, will also fall under the general prohibition of moilit, will fall under the general prohibition of creative work on Shabbos. That was his argument to that, and therefore he concluded that using phones on Shabbos, and then later electric motors, and other electrical, electric-based appliances where you need to manipulate the electricity would be forbidden on Shabbos. And therefore, by extension, not only turning it on or turning it off would be pro- prohibited, but even generating sound. We're not actually turning such as a phone or a telegram where you're generating whatever um, things are, whatever um, ink is being dropped in the Morse code or, in, um, or even just... Uh, manipulating it slightly, moving it up, moving it down, increasing it, decreasing it, will all be part of this general prohibition of moilet. Now, over the years, I'm going to take some questions soon. Over the years, other arguments for the prohibition of electricity on Shabbos have been offered. Some pointed out that when you turn on and on electricity, sparks are often generated. That was more common in earlier times when um, the electrical grid was not as steady as it is today. Our transformers were not as good. And um, often when you would plug something in, there would be a spark. Today, um, visible sparks, at least, are less common, although, of course, we still see them. Um, whether that's prohibited or not, some suggested that that is prohibited. Um, some have pointed out if your elect- electricity is generated f- from the generator, which is a fuel-based generator... Um, in other words, using burning gas or burning coal, um, then as you use electricity, you're causing more gas or more coal to be burned. That may or may not be so, um, especially today where a lot of electricity is stored. Um, uh, others um, pointed to the prohibition of building on Chavez and essentially that you are building a circuit, which may be true when you turn on or off a light, but may not entirely be true when using a old phone or um, talking into a microphone for that matter. Um, and so many of these reasons have been discussed and have been argued back and forth, but Molid remains the central reason um, that most scholars agreed upon to why um, electrical use on Shabbos should be prohibited. And as a result, because of the original prohibition of Rabbi Schmelkes in 1895, which was backed up by scholars um, over the years as electricity became more and more in use, um, Jews around the world who were Shomer Shabbos, who were observ- Shabbos observant, did not use electricity as a result. Um, while there may have been individuals here or there, individual scholars here or there that suggested perhaps use of electricity on, sh- on Yom Tov or other things, generally those scholars were not well versed in halacha or not well versed in um, the mechanics of electricity. Um, some scholars actually suggested that the incandescent bulb has a fire burning inside it. Um, they clearly did not know how the incandescent bulb worked. Some even suggest that there are fires running through the wires. And they clearly did not know how electricity worked. Um, so while there have been those um, who have um, perhaps permitted over the years, there has been, they were once off, and this was only in the very, very early years of electricity, and generally, and it was generally only for Yom Tov, but generally there was a consensus that on Shabbos and Yom Tov, Jews that are Shomer Shabbos, that are Shabbos observant, do not use electricity. And the standard reason given was Rabbi Shmelkes' original reason, that it is molid, it is created. Now, 1935, there was a young scholar, very young scholar from Jerusalem, called Shlomo Zalman Erbach. Shlomo Zalman Erbach published a book 
um, called Maore Eish. Now, Maore Eish, um, this is 1935. So by 1935, most cities in Western developed countries have electricity. Most Jews living in Europe, living in the U.S., even living in Israel, have running have. Uh, their homes are connected to the electrical grid. They have electricity. There are already electrical appliances around now, um, and um, this is already well into electrical use. Most people have phones, um, maybe not phones like we have today. They were rotary phones, and you had to call up the operator, but still they had phones. So it was, um, the, the, we had advanced very far from 1895 to 1935, 40 years later. So, um, so Shlomo Zalman Arbach print, publishes this book, Maori Ar. He's only 25 years old at the time. But it was the most comprehensive work on electricity in halacha until that point. He had spent many years as a young man studying with engineers, uh, electrical engineers, um, in Hebrew University in Jerusalem and um, trying to figure out exactly how electricity worked and the, exactly how specific um, the mechanics of how specific electrical appliances worked, and um, he was a great scholar in halacha. And he questions many of the different reasons that scholars offer to prohibit electricity. He also argues, uh, but then he goes further. He says that Rav, Rav Shmelkus's argument that using electricity is prohibited due to molid because you are creating an electrical current or creating things with the electricity, um, he suggests that that may be mistaken, and um, he offered strong arguments as to why, in fact, the halachic prohibition, using halachic sources, why, in fact, the halachic prohibition of molid will not, should not directly be applied to um, creating electrical current or manipulating electricity um, on Shabbos. The details are beyond the scope of our class today. So he concludes in his book, Mareish, that while he feels the prohibition of using electricity on Shabbos declared by Rav Shmelkes 40 years earlier may be an error, given that by his time in 1935, um, every Shomer Shabbos Jew was, and was not using electricity on Shabbos. And given that by now, every scholar who had analyzed and had prohibited the use of electricity on Shabbos, he was not, who was he to change an already established rule? And this falls into a central principle in halacha, that once a halacha is established, and once consensus, absolute consensus is reached around the halacha, a later scholar is not able to undo that consensus, even if they believe that the original arguments that that consensus was reached by um, are faulty, and even if they think there may be problems with those arguments, once it's become standard and once it's widely accepted and once everyone's doing it and it's been unanimous, um, it cannot be undone. And um, Rav Arbach made that very clear in his book, Maori H, um, that it is, remains prohibited. Yet, Rav Arbach ruled that while all use and all manipulation of electricity on Shabbos is prohibited, nevertheless... Um, since he had reason to question that prohibition, he would call it a lenient prohibition. A lenient prohibition has implication in complex halachic scenarios. For example, there are times when we would ignore halacha, um, such as when a person is in danger, or even if a person is sick. Um, when people are sick, we may have reason to ignore halacha. So when we would... Um, when we ignore when or we overlook halacha in those kind of situations, better use electricity than other transgressions. So, for example, if you would be taking someone to um, hospital on Shabbos, you'd be better off driving an electric car if you have one. If not, drive any car. But you'd be better driving your electric car, your Tesla, than driving your other cars. Um, so, because better to not to use a, to transgress a lighter prohibition, it also has other halachic implications for more complex questions. Um, it's relevant to using refrigerators on Shabbos and a number of other things. Um, so, so therefore, in conclusion, Rav Orbach, by the way, um, Rav Orbach went on to become the greatest, the, without a doubt, the greatest scholar of halacha and modern technology in the 20th century. Um, he died in 1995 um, and considered one of the greatest 
um, Jewish scholars of the 20th century, without a doubt. Um, he lives in Jerusalem his whole life. Um, his thesis on electricity and halacha has become the standard um, by which all halacha has been ruled since then, um, in the last 80 years plus, um, that um, as this has become the standard that um, electricity is prohibited on Shabbos, prohibited as um, Rav Shmelka said, because of the prohibition of Molot, of creation on Shabbos. However, it is considered a lenient prohibition and which has certain implications in complex halacha. What about leaving, some of you asked this already, what about leaving the lights on on Shabbos or leaving your refrigerator on on Shabbos? Can you do it? Can you leave it on from before Shabbos and then use cold food or frozen food if you're using a freezer on Shabbos? Is that okay? So the problem, of course, is creating or changing electricity. If you're not changing or manipulating electricity in any way, there would be no open or clear prohibition. What about using a timer? What about setting an alarm? And we actually today can set, today especially now that we have the smart lights, but my parents had it set up in the house um, decades ago where they put a timer on the central, um, they added a timer to the central um, lighting system of the house and you could set it before Shabbos where you could decide exactly when you want every light to go on and off um, on Shabbos. A lot of air conditioners have timers today. So what about setting a timer? So the Talmud in Shabbos actually tells us that a person discusses a similar question about, and this is how we get to give you an example of how we take one law and apply it to another situation. The Talmud says, what if a person wants, now one of the prohibitions on Shabbos is watering your plants to make your plants grow. is prohibited on Shabbos because you're making things grow on Shabbos. So what if you set an irrigation system, you set it up before Shabbos, that it gradually drips water into your plants on Shabbos. Right? Today we have sprinklers, but they had more primitive forms of irrigation systems. The Talmud says that's not a problem because you're not doing anything on Shabbos. It's running on its own. As long as you have it set before Shabbos, that is fine. So you're allowed to, for most transgressions of Shabbos, there are a few exceptions, but for most transgressions of Shabbos, you're not allowed to manipulate it on Shabbos, but if you have it set up to run on its own before Shabbos, you are fine. So if you wanted to run your have your electrical appliances set to begin to run themselves on Shabbos, then it would be okay. There may be other, um, other problems that you may be running into on Shabbos, but generally you would be okay with that. Um, let me just uh, go a little. I'll take questions soon. I don't want to go too far over time. So, um, so I must point out that um, before we conclude, though, that in addition to the general problem of manipulating electrical currents on Shabbos, which, as we said, is a definite prohibition, um, in addition to that, there are also other concerns when using electricity on Shabbos. You may also be invoking some of the actual 39 prohibitions on Shabbos. We already mentioned that incandescent bulbs would be creating halachic fire um, on Shabbos. The same would be for any other bright, hot appliances such as your electric stove that you may be using on Shabbos, your toaster that you may be using on Shabbos, you will be creating, um, besides the cooking problems, which is its own prohibition on Shabbos, you may be creating fire on Shabbos. Um, you also, um, the, you also for our modern computers or cell phones, in addition to the problem of running electricity, which we are running every time we use them, um, we also run into a problem of writing and erasing words on Shabbos, which is prohibited. Exactly how the prohibition of writing and erasing words would apply on screens, where your words are made out of pixels on your screen, um, exactly how that would work is a discussion of its own, but there are problems, it is, there is a prohibition there, so you are running into other prohibitions as well, other than the actual use of electricity, driving electrical cars or electric scooters on Shabbos, in addition to driving, using electricity, also run the problem of moving things within open areas on Shabbos, which we mentioned earlier, is one of the 39 prohibitions on Shabbos. So, does God want us to avoid using electricity on Shabbos, manipulating electricity on Shabbos? I believe he does. We believe that the Torah was given to us 3,300 years ago by, given to, to, by God to Moses to give to us 
And we made a covenant with God, with the Torah that God gave us with the intent of it being applied in all places and all times that Jews will live until the end of time. And I believe that God, who is all-knowing, included in his Torah the rules of what to do when every new invention is going to be created, including the rules of what to do when electricity will be invented. Um, Though it may sometimes be hard to figure out, but within the Torah we have the answer as to what to do in any given new situation that may arise throughout our history, because God gave us the Torah with the intention of being used and and interpreted in every time and every place. Did we get it right though? So people often ask, how do we know that the Torah that we have today is true? Over 3,000 years, maybe it got corrupted. Maybe we messed it up. Maybe our tradition passed on from generation to generation got messed up. Maybe the scholars analyzing how to apply rules to different situations made mistakes. How do we know they got it right? How do we know what their conclusions was what God really wanted? So we believe that God not only created our world, but controls our world. Controls everything that happens in our world. Everything that happens to us, God controls, which is why we pray to God and ask God to help us when we're in trouble. We believe that God controls our world and God's hand has a guiding hand in everything that happens. We further believe that God made a covenant with his chosen people and God is focused on his, the, fo- the purpose of his creation is for his chosen people to follow his tone. So therefore we believe that God not only controls how our world functions and not only controls when the next earthquake is going to come or when the next hurricane is going to come, but God also controls how our Torah and how our Judaism develops. While, yes, there are people making decisions, but ultimately it is with God's guiding hand. If Jewish scholars decided unanimously over a hundred years ago that electricity cannot be used on Shabbos, and Shabbos observant Jews have followed them since, I believe it can only be the hand of God. And God, because it was God's intention that we not use electricity on Shabbos. And in fact, despite its complexity... And despite the fact that electricity is not addressed in any of the earlier Jewish works because it was not known about, um, and it's one of the rare parts of modern halacha where we have actually achieved a consensus. Generally, it's very hard for Jewish scholars to agree on anything. How do you ever get two Jews to agree on one thing? One of the few places where Jews have achieved cons- Jewish scholars have achieved consensus in the last 150 years in modern issues has been with the n- prohibition of the use of electricity on Shabbos. And so even if Ezra by Orbach claimed that maybe it was based on a, false, on a false premise, even so we believe that it could have only possibly been the hand of God that created this consensus among us to make sure that electricity would not be used on Shabbos because God truly and halacha today would dictate electricity is not used on Shabbos once it's become an established rule and um, because God truly does not want us to use electricity on Shabbos. Now, I don't claim to know why God does things or the reason why God has given us certain prohibitions unless he said so explicitly. I don't know. I don't understand the ways of God. But we can look at them and we can marvel what they have done for us. 120 years ago, when more than 120 years ago, when Rabbi Shmelkes first prohibited electricity in western Ukraine, in Lvov, um, using electricity meant you wouldn't be able to turn your lights on and off on Shabbos. You've got to leave them on a whole Shabbos, or leave them off a whole Shabbos. It meant that you couldn't talk to somebody locally by the telephone. That's all it meant. He didn't appreciate then the implications that it would mean today. But today, when we live in a world that is full of 24-7 distractions, when people can't put down their cell phones for a moment, when you can't have a conversation with someone because they won't put away their cell phone, when people check their emails a few times an hour, when people are constantly, get home and turn on the television, when electricity has become has become a source of great good 
and has modernized our world and given us some very wonderful things that have saved lives and made our lives much, much more convenient, but have also become a distraction. There is nothing better, and I can tell you this from experience, there is nothing better than shutting it all down and spending 25 hours a week. No television, no Netflix, no email, no texts, no social media, nothing. Your phone is away, it's gone, the television is off, everything is gone, and no trips, no driving. You are shut off from the grid um, for 24, 24, 25 hours. So the prohibition of not using electricity, why we don't know why, uh, we know how, but we don't know why God made this happen, but we do know this, that today is perhaps we can say it is the greatest gift that God has given our people in the 21st century, the ability to just say no and shut yourself down for 25 hours. And I would encourage you all to try it. Try it, even if you don't use necessarily follow some of the other prohibitions of Shabbos. And even if, um, even if you cannot do it every Shabbos, try it one week. Try one time. Shut down your phone. Don't use your phone for an entire Shabbos. It will be the most liberating thing you've ever done. While you're at it, shut off the television. Um, shut off the. Um, sh- uh, sh- shut off um, all any other the, your gaming consoles if you have them. Any other distractive electrical appliances. Um, don't do it. For 25 hours, it will be, I assure you, it's the most liberating thing that, could have ever, that you could ever do. Um, it is God's gift to us in the 21st century, um, the not using electricity at all on shops. Let me just conclude. Um, hold one second. <laughs> okay, so... Um, so let me just conclude. So thank you all for joining us. Our sponsor's not here again. Um, those who sponsor, I have to figure out which weeks it is. Um, next week, we are going to talk about why Judaism is so expensive. And why Judaism is so expensive. And we'll talk about the place of money in Jewish religion. So um, that's for next week. And I know you all have a lot of questions, so I am here to try to um, answer as many of them as I best could. Let's do one at a time. I don't know where to start. Robert's been waiting for quite a while. Go ahead. So, if you're manipulating electricity, is, is the idea. Um, I think it has to be a little bit more uh, thoughtful or you've got some caveats. For example, the minute you have a thought, not Shabbat, for example, like you're commanding your arm to move. Right. Uh, are okay, we right? This right. So clearly, things that are created with our own body are not prohibited on Shabbos. Um, just like Barry earlier mentioned, thinking, um, talking—you can't not think for twenty-five hours, right? Talking on Shabbos, studying—all um, of those involve electrical currents running through our body. Um, None of that was clearly prohibited on Shabbos. Um, when we prohibited the manipulation of electricity, we meant through um, external electricity outside of, outside of us. Now, the truth is, and you can mention this as well, manipulating electricity, every time you move, you're creating static, um, essentially. Uh, every time you go anywhere, and so what the, the, the prohibition is to actually generate something or achieve something with that manipulation um, in general, prohibitions on Shabbos are only if they're productive or you're achieving something. Uh, prohibitions on Shabbos that are not achieving anything are not prohibited. It becomes even more challenging because you recognize the electricity generated by a moving magnet. And we are living in the world, you know, where our whole world is a moving magnet. Field. Every time you move a metal object to a magnetic field, you're creating electricity, you're manipulating it. Right. So it's generally static electricity has not been considered pro- prohibited. So even using a magnet on Shabbos, not to create something with that magnet, but just to put it on something, um, is not considered prohibited on Shabbos. However, um, however, using electricity to do something, in other words, to make something work, that is where um, is generally being prohibited on Shabbos. Now, I, I gave this caveat at the beginning, but I'm going to say clear out, I'm not a 
electrical engineer, nor did I ever take science beyond basic schooling. So um, I don't have the expertise, but I don't want you to think that because I'm speaking to you as a Torah scholar, but a novice in electrical, that the scholars who did analyze it were not experts. Um, in fact, there are, there's a whole organization in Israel called Machon Technology of Halacha, or the, the Institute of Technology and Halacha, that is expert engineers who are experts in Jewish scholarship or are building Shabbos elevators and the like. Um, so there are the, the leaders of this field are experts in both, and I'm definitely not. Um, so I, I, I'm going to make that clear, but don't take from me that the scholars who I'm quoting are the same. Um, there's no question Rabbi Orbach um, was quite, he never went to college for engineering, but he spent his life studying engineering as part of kind of his expertise in halacha. Uh, all right, let's, let's try to do one more, uh, uh, one at a time. Debbie, and I'll get to everyone. The purpose 